This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, guys? I'm going to do this podcast. My name is Salman Ali at Red Nation Hoops on Twitter. You're joined by Forrest Walker at Do Nots on Twitter. How you doing, man? Hey, how's it going? Also joined by Paul MD at Rocket Intellect on Twitter. How you doing, man? Doing good. It's good to be back. In a while. We, we are back. It's been two weeks since we podcasted. It's been goddamn like a year since we've had Paul on the pod. Uh, and it feels good. It feels good to be back. It feels good to be recording with you guys. I'm, I'm a little bit sick right now, but we'll soldier on. Um, yeah, it's just been too long. I, I've, I've had to move. So it's, uh, as, as anybody who's had to move, it's, you're just incredibly busy. You have to do a lot of stuff. Uh, you have to call, No, it's fun and easy. No, <laughs> you have to call a lot of people. You have to get a lot of stuff done. It's, it's just a, a headache. Uh, but yeah, no more excuses. We're back. Uh, couldn't be a better time to podcast. This team is incredibly relevant right now. Let's go ahead and start with the top news. Lukumba Mute out two to three weeks with a shoulder injury. Uh, this is um, this is pretty significant. Uh, it, it's thankfully it's not as bad as it looked when he originally went down. Like it looked like it could, it could have been like a few month injury when he went down. Like I think I thought he hurt his knee at, at first, but. Thankfully, the Rockets got off easy. Uh, the diagnosis is that he dislocated his shoulder. Uh, there was no structural damage, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, and he should be good to go in two, three weeks. Yeah, that was a big, a big relief when I saw that. That it wasn't more serious than that. Yeah, it's kind of like when I when Luke went down, I realized how fragile the situation with is in terms of competing with the Warriors. Because you're like, oh man. Like our seventh best player went down. If he's out for the season, we're absolutely screwed. We need him, and that's not normally the case for normal teams. <laughs> like you can't afford to lose anybody in the normal rotation if they're going to like compete with the Warriors. Isn't that crazy? Well, like the, the, this team is is going to be greater on a totally different scale uh, because of the way they're winning. Uh, they've they've done that. They've done that for themselves. That's a good thing. Um, they're going to be judged by how they compete with the Warriors. And an injury like this is actually very, very significant because the way they structured their offseason was to tackle the Warriors. And Luke and Mute was one of those signings, um, you know, to, you know, they were, the Rockets wanted to switch more on defense. They wanted to play small ball a lot more w- against the, the Warriors' death lineup. And Luke and Mute was a, was a signing that I loved at the time. Um, uh, 
that could help the Rockets do that. And when he went down, I had the same thought. Like I was like, oh man, like when do the Rockets play the Warriors? Like I hope Luke's back by then. Like I, I, <laughs> it's it's like that's kind of the most interesting thing about the season at this point because they're winning so much that we're just waiting for these marquee matchups and we're we're hoping everybody's healthy so we can see just how good they, they stack up against the top teams in the West. Yeah, uh, and the timing on that is going to be pretty pretty tight. Uh, if it's two weeks exactly, then he might be back in time for the first Warriors game, but we have to kind of assume he probably won't be, but he should be back for the second Warriors game. Right. The, the Rockets play the Warriors on January 3rd, I believe, or it might be January 4th. Um, either way, it's uh, that's about it's it's right in the middle of that timeline two to three weeks like that's a little bit past two weeks so if if he comes back um in two weeks that that should be good uh he should be good to go for that game but i mean it's 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 okay the it, as far as the long term goes of this team uh the rockets really dodged a bullet here um in the meantime how will the rockets be able to you know kick you know make up for those minutes that's 22 minutes per game of um of rotation players that you're just going to have to scrap together. I mean, like, like where do you, where do those rockets where do the rockets find those minutes? I mean, we know where they will find the minutes. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna carve them out of the other eight uh, players in the rotation. They've already kind of talked about this that they're gonna have some other guys play a few more minutes here. Yeah, it's man. It sounds ridiculous to play an eight man rotation in the regular season, though. But that's what's gonna happen. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, like, I, I guess like Ryan Harrison hasn't really played thirty minutes per game yet, so I guess you I, well, has he? I think he's played like twenty eight or something. I guess you can bump him up if you can afford to bump him up a few more minutes per game. Uh, PJ Tucker, I guess you can you can give him a few more minutes. What worries me is I I don't want to tack on two minutes on Trevor Ariza because he's already played a lot of. He's he's already played thirty five minutes per game for pretty much the last three years in, in a Rockets uniform. It ju- it just feels like a delicate balancing act. Um, I don't think the Rockets are going to try giving those minutes to Harden because I I just think D'Antoni understands by now that like you know we probably should be using uh, the this luxury we have in, in Eric Gordon and Chris Paul to you know take that burden off of Harden. I I think they're going to be smarter about that this year even with injuries. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to come from, as you guys said, from the from the other guys. It's, it's going to come from PJ Tucker. It's going to come from Ryan Anderson. Um, it's going to come from Trevor Ariza. It's going to be by committee. Um, but yeah, the Rockets are kind of real thin right now. Like, uh, and and we were talking about this in our group chat yesterday, man. Like, uh, they're playing a night man rotation as is, and as you said, Paul, they're gonna they're gonna shorten it down to an eight man rotation. Um, and yeah, I, I, the Rockets like. <laughs> As far as the trade deadline, like this might be so- this might be something to go after, like going after another guard or going after maybe even another wing to, you know, lengthen that rotation because the Rockets aren't even playing garbage time. Because yeah, man, yeah, I, I have thoughts about that. They they need to get some more mediocre players. Their bad players are so bad. Like I get that they need to pull the starters out more. They definitely need to pull starters out sooner. But having watched a bunch of these blowouts you know having seen what happens when they bring in that garbage time lineup i watched that denver game i saw them give up an eight like 18 points of that lead in literally three minutes it is bad they really need some guys who do not 
expect to play every night and are going to be happy to be there and aren't just total crap. Um, so I don't know. I don't want to like malign the, the 10 to 15 players on the Rockets bench, but they just, they just give up every lead immediately. They need some guys who can play some decent minutes in a pinch. They need mediocre players. They need some like medium to poor guys that they can sit on the end of the bench and bring in and not just forfeit every game. Yeah, this is kind of the problem with having like a glorified recruiter fill up a roster spot in Bobby Brown. Like, <laughs> <laughs> kind of makes you wish you had someone that could actually play professional basketball, but you know, we got Chris Paul, so whatever. It's definitely worth it. They just need to find out a way to also have a guy who can play. <laughs> I mean, it's real bad. I mean, like if Troy Williams were healthy, maybe he would get some some minutes. But I'm not even convinced. Then, Briante Weber and Demetrius Jackson are just they just they're not. If one of them was giving something, maybe it would help. But yeah, the, if Bobby Brown up there has to figure out how to be an NBA player, or they have to replace one of these guys with someone who can play. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the best the the best player in that garbage time rotation is Tariq Black, which is. Uh, the Rockets' intended third-string center. Um, it, it's it's looking real ugly. I mean, I guess the Rockets can try playing Eric Gordon in those minutes. Uh, perhaps get some competent guard play uh, in garbage time. But I mean, even then, like I, I I still think the Rockets need to find a fourth guard. Like I, I they they're they're probably going to be on the market for one um, as soon as uh, buyout season uh, starts happening. Um, but like. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of why the Rockets went after uh, guards when Chris Paul went down. Like, it wasn't just a temporary issue. This is this is a long-term thing for the Rockets. Because, again, the regular season for a team as good as the Rockets who want to make a deep playoff run, like, these garbage time rotation minutes, like, they, they're important. Like, like, I know it seems like first-world problems, but that's kind of the benefit of being a team of this caliber is that you can rest your starters and be fresh for the playoffs. And the Rockets can't afford to do that because, as you said, Forrest, they're they're blowing these leads whenever they play the garbage time units. Like, and like, I wish somebody would just ask Mike D'Antoni if that's the reason. Like, if that's the reason, go ahead. Like, I think Rockets fans would understand. But like, like we haven't. Yeah, had... but he doesn't want to throw his guys under the bus, though. <laughs> right. I mean. I... It, it, I, I, and if that's the reason, that's ter- perfectly fair. I, I just wish someone would ask. Like, I, I just, I just wish that. Quite, I don't know. It's annoying. It's annoying to me that we haven't got a solid answer on that. Like, on why uh, it takes so long to pull a start. If that's the reason, that's a good reason. That's a. I mean, it's a pretty damn good reason. But I mean, just ask. Like, I, I don't know. I, maybe, maybe it's just. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me who's annoyed by this. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is the definition of uh, first world problems. As I said earlier, it's it's this is something. This is probably the the Rockets' biggest concern right now, other than Luka Mute's injury. It's that you know they just can't get comp- competent garbage time uh, playing time. Like, like even the Warriors, like they have Nick Young and they have um, Zaza and they have David West. They have those guys playing garbage time for them. Um, and it, it fills out. It actually works out pretty well for them. And the Rockets don't have guys like that. They have Zochi. They have uh, Troy Williams. They have Tariq Black, Bobby Brown. It, it's really ugly out there for them. Um, but let's go ahead and get to the second biggest news item. This LeBron to Houston stuff is starting to bubble up, man. Like it's it's starting to become a real thing. Like people are talking about it more and more around the league. Um, Sam Amick came out with a story for USA Today. Uh, and if you guys don't know Sam Amick, he is probably one of the five most credible reporters in basketball today. Like, he's legitimately that good. 
Um, he came out with a story today about rival executives believing that the Rockets have a chance at LeBron James and that people within the Rockets organization actually believe that they they have a chance at landing LeBron James. Um, yeah, this is starting to become a thing, man. People are writing about it more. People are talking about it on, on television. It, it's like... Like, the Rockets might be one of the prime suitors for LeBron James this summer. That's kind of crazy. Like, it's, hey, if it's it, just nuts. If it happens, if it happens, there is one person the Rockets should thank for that, and that person is Kevin Durant. He <laughs> opened that door. He opened that door wide open. You could never have done such a thing before Kevin Durant went ahead and was the biggest front runner of all time. I thought you were going to say they can thank me, but... Oh. <laughs> well, they can, they, can, they can thank you in private later. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's a realistic possibility. Like, it, the Rockets are the only team that LeBron can do, go to, except, like, I guess the Spurs, uh, where you can honestly say you would have a chance to beat the Warriors, like a legitimate chance, not just like a... I have to go nuts to beat the Warriors chance. So uh, yeah. the Lakers sounds kind of ridiculous to me because like it's completely location and business related. Maybe LeBron doesn't have an interest in winning a ring or maybe he's delusional, but I don't think he's <laughs> either one of those things. Yeah. So I don't imagine the Lakers being an option, to be honest. Yeah, this uh, yeah. idea we're supposed to we're supposed to accept that LeBron is going to sacrifice like the last few years of his prime so that he can help like Lonzo Ball become the next big star in LA or something is just ridiculous to me. Like, if he were to go there just because he really feels like playing out the string in his career, I guess that's one thing. But he's not he's not playing out the string. He's still like the best basketball player in the world. Why would he want to do that? I think that people have correctly. Uh, confirmed that the Rockets, as you said, are his best chance to topple the Warriors if he can't do it where he is. And spoilers, he can't. So it makes a lot of sense from a roster fit perspective. It doesn't make a lot of sense from a salary perspective, but, you know, weirder things have happened. Uh, we've kind of learned over the last several years that when a player wants to go to a team, they'll figure out a way to get on that team, especially if they can be a free agent. So, with the yeah, exception think, of Mello. With the exception of Mello, Thank who... You. <laughs> who was almost sort of a free agent, but not quite. Uh, yeah, thankfully. Yeah, so I, th- I think it's definitely quite possible. Uh, I would say, obviously, it's so far out. Don't like, don't put your, don't put your, don't start counting chickens before eggs and all that. But yeah, there's reasons picking up steam. It's because it just makes sense. Right, and this LeBron to LA stuff is really starting to bother me. Like, who the hell started this rumor? Like, is is it just that he's buying houses out in LA? Magic. Like, <laughs> like, like it's it's. I I don't get it. Like, is it just because they signed a Rich Paul client this year? Like, I I, I don't get where this is coming from. Like, like what? Like who in it? Who? Like what major star in NBA history has got has willingly gone to a young team to to, to finish out his career? Like, I just haven't. It's it's never happened before. And LeBron. Yeah. If you look at his history in free agency, he's always gone to the best place he felt he could win. And what about Los Angeles tells you they could win? Like, like, like it's one yeah, thing. But they, they, 
Yeah, what? but they have these visions dancing in their head of like Westbrook and Paul George and everyone in the world. Like everyone's going to go to the same team all together. It's this, it's Lakers exceptionalism, which is never really going to die. They could be the worst team in the league for ten years, and the minute they win fifty games, all the fans are going to start crowing about that they always believed that Lakers fans don't go away; they just go into remission. So it's, I think it's not surprising. The Lakers are always going to get a ton of press. They're always going to get a ton of hype. They're always going to get a ton of people theorizing at what's going to happen there. Everyone's going to assume every free agent wants to go to the Lakers because a lot of them, you know, love the Lakers and love them growing up, and a lot of the people spreading rumors love the Lakers and love them growing up, and a lot of people spreading rumors are probably Magic Johnson or employed by him, so... Uh, let's look at who this serves. Who would it serve to have rumors about LeBron going to LA? Well, people who want the LA Lakers to have a lot of hype. That's probably who's spreading it. Right, uh, and, and to be fair, we have no idea what the Lakers are going to look like in six months. We have no idea what the Rockets are going to look like in six months. Right, like like we're just way too far away from from any from anything for agency next summer related to even make a, a definite conclusion. I, I just think it's kind of it's kind of odd. Like maybe if you get Paul George and like even and and try to get LeBron, but even then that would take a crazy amount of cap manipulation to make it happen because they have to come off of some pretty bad contracts like Luau Dang and stuff. Like it's just it's just well. a, it's just a lot. Like it's and um and, and uh, let me go let me go ahead and finish out on the Rockets real quick. It's gonna take a crap load of cap manipulation to make it happen. In there it is. It, it, it's, it's not gonna be easy. Like if if this were to happen, like it would be. It would truly be like Daryl Morey's best work of his career. Like if he could manage to bring back Chris Paul, uh, bring uh, and bring in LeBron James, like that, that would truly be his Picasso. Would it would it just it would just be his you know Mona Lisa. It would be whatever whatever you want to call it. It would be his grand like his grand. Coup, like ever, ever. I if if you could pull this off, if, if you could get off of Ryan Anderson's salary, if you could get off of um, if you could get off of uh, Chris Paul's cap hole, like it it would just take a lot of stuff to happen, a lot of stuff to go in the Rockets' favor to happen. There are some scenarios where it could happen though, and uh, I think it's I think it's quick. I think it's best to touch on it real quick. Um, David Weiner uh, of Clutch Fans has talked about this. The best way for the Rockets, uh, and we talked about this on our podcast uh, this this summer, the best way for this to happen would be through sign and trade. It would be if LeBron were to opt back into his original deal. He has one more year left on that contract, and the Rockets were to get rid of Ryan Anderson, um, and, and uh, they presumably have to give up some draft picks to throw away that contract and Eric Gordon, uh, and do and facilitate some kind some kind of three ta- three team trade. Like that's the only way it could happen. It's possible. Like, Air Gordon's contract looks really good right now. Like, like he's legitimately like he he, he looks like a, a bargain right now and a pretty damn good player. So I mean, if if Le, if LeBron goes to Cleveland and says I, I'm leaving, like Air Gordon, like, you can do much worse than Air Gordon as a return, right? Um, and like I guess that's the case you have to make. Again, we're stretching here. It's probably not going to happen, but it's something it's something to look out for uh, over these next couple of months because uh, again, Sam Sam Amick is one of the more credible reporters in the sport. Um, at the trade deadline, he's one of those guys you have your notifications on for. Um, he's mm-hmm. yeah he he's he's one of the best. So I mean, the, a report from him is like just short of a report from Watch. Like it's what he's one of the he's legitimately in that tier of basketball reporting. But yeah, 
Um, it's significant. Well, it's be, it's it's best that we touched on it. Uh, go ahead for us. What were you gonna say? Oh well, well let me uh, let me just put a little capstone on this by saying that uh, I liked what uh, Paul you said on Twitter at some point. Someone was telling you that oh well, LeBron won't come over if, for example, the the Rockets beat the Warriors in the playoffs. And you said, well, well, great, I'll take it. <laughs> so, uh, I feel like. The, this is the season we should really be worrying about right now, and there's a lot of good reasons to uh, to concern ourselves with it. Right. The Rockets are on an 11-game winning streak. They are dominating right now. They, it's not even just like a flukish 11-game winning streak where they win a lot of close games. It's like, yeah, they have, they've had close games, but they've just... Like I think that I think that their margin of victory is like seventeen and a half or something like per game in this win streak. It's that's kind of ridiculous. It's like, like hundred and eighty six points total over over eleven games. Right, they're just murdering teams. They're just absolutely just they're just murdering. Like after the second after this after the first half, it's it, it's like almost a game. Like it's like after the Rockets go on that little run that that we've come to expect, like where they go on that twenty five to four run or like like eighteen to two or whatever like after they go on that ridiculous run after they make they make their barrage of threes and and get their stops like it, it just it just feels like the game's over it's like not even worth watching i came home from a game the other day um like i couldn't watch the first half and the game was over and it really bothered me because like i was like i was really looking forward to that game but it's it's become it's come to the point where if you're not in your seat by the first quarter and you like you you might miss the, you might miss the game you might miss the game like it's it's they've just They've just been so damn good at uh, getting down their opponents' throat and not letting them come back up. And it's been on both sides of the floor. They have the number one defense in the league over this 11-game stretch and the number one offense in the league. And right now, uh, they are just a few percentage points off. Last night, they were there of having the best offensive in, in NBA history. Like get, before, before last night's game, they had the best, the best, the greatest offensive in NBA history. Right now, it's the it's the Warriors of this year. Ironically. Um, yeah, it, it, this team is ridiculous. This is what this is probably the best regular season Rockets team of all time. It's it's just a shame they're in an area era of the Warriors. It's, they've just been killing. Yeah, yeah but on the other hand, the team probably it, there's a good chance the team doesn't get formed unless uh, the Warriors exist. Because yeah. maybe Chris Paul is like, oh, we still have a chance with the Clippers if. Kevin Durant doesn't go to the Warriors or whatever. So, um, you can think uh, it sucks that the Warriors exist, which I have done many, many times. But <laughs> you can also think the optimistic way and like be grateful for the fact that the Warriors' like greatness has given us this like incredible team that is so much fun to watch. Oh, it's awesome. Someone asked me the other day if I'd rather watch the Rockets win a close game or win a blowout. And I was like, oh, blowout, hands down every time. I want to be bored. I want the game to be over by a second quarter. And I just want to sit there and eat popcorn the rest of the game. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of crazy how, how, like, how they've just, like, again, they've just dominated. Like, it, and... It's it's like it's gotten to the point where like I can predict like how every Rockets game is gonna go like you just know like they they have that same mm-hmm. outline like and and the, what's crazy about this is they've they've found that they found that unit that works they found that small ball unit that that with PJ Tucker at the center where you know you they you just play that lineup and it's like okay I'm done with this crap like I'm done like it's the game's <laughs> over the game's over we're not we're not playing anymore like it's over like they pulled it out in that Portland game. And it just, it surprised me how quickly the game just ended. 
Like, I, like after they, they put in P.J. Tucker at center, how quickly they decimated the lead um, and how quickly they just won. Like, they found the optimal switches. Like, like you know, Noah Vonley out there on, on an island with James Harden. Uh, they searched out uh, Damian Lillard a lot on those switches. Um, they just, like, opposing defenses just don't have any other way, other way to defend them other than switch. And when you switch... There's just few defenses in the NBA that can guard James Harden or Chris Paul on an island. It's just, it just doesn't work. Like, and you can't, again, you can't double because there's so many shooters around the floor, and you can't, and you can't trap because they're such great passers. It's, it's just, it's just a really, really tough to defend, it, and and that's why they're one of the greatest offenses in NBA history. It's, it's, and, and their defense again has been spectacular. It's been, it's been otherworldly, especially when they play PJ Tucker at center. They just get. A, a bunch of stops in a row, um, and they can switch everything. Like they can switch every screen. They can they can do anything they want. So um, it's not a one on one game. It's it's just it's 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 really it's really fun to watch. It's really Warriors esque. And we and Forrest and I were talking about this before we record. This is much like the Warriors before, uh, before like before they won their first championship. Like that that sixty seven win team that that went on to win the championship. This feels a lot like that. Like this feels a lot like that kind of dominance. Like they feel very, very warriors esque in that way. They have about the same statistical profile of that team too. So they're they're scary, man. They're like they're like a like a guy in a bunker with a machine gun. They just keep shooting and keep shooting and keep shooting and eventually you're gonna get hit. Like every single game what happens is that sooner or later, the other day against the Hornets it was sooner rather than later. The other games against the Pelicans and the uh and the, and the Blazers it was later. But Eventually, they figure out what's gonna what's gonna put them on a run, like a you know fifteen to two run or something, and suddenly you're down by twenty. It always happens. At some point, they just they just break through your defenses just long enough, and then it's done. And once they hit that twenty point mark, you're through, and the rest of the game is a formality. Yeah, and they have so many like variations of small ball. Like when you think about small ball with the Warriors, you usually think about like you kind of know what lineup you're talking about, Steph, Clay, uh, KD, uh, Draymond, and Andre. But with the Rockets, you can kind of like, okay, play Rhino at center, play Ariza at the four, or you can play like PJ and Luke at the four and five, or you can play PJ and Ariza at the four and five. And you've got like this three-headed guard lineup with uh, EG, uh, Chris Paul, and Harden, and it's just really interesting. It's a lot of fun watching, just like watching D'Antoni tweak lineups and seeing what works, and seeing how they can gain an advantage with small ball. Because eventually, it always comes down to small ball. I think, other than the New Orleans game where Clint just played great against Boogie. Yeah, yeah. that was really impressive. Uh, yeah, it's really foolish of other teams to let them have an entire halftime to put the minds of James Harden, Chris Paul, Mike D'Antoni, and Jeff Bitzelik to work at figuring out how to destroy you. They're such a strong third-quarter team, too. They just go at a halftime, and they usually just tear teams apart immediately. Right. It, it's it's like like they, they know when they want to be. Like, again, like when, as soon as they put in the small lineup, it's pretty much over. Like because they they can they can close leads so fast. Like we saw this in that first Warriors game um, on opening night. Like they, like the Rockets went, were down by twenty. Like I think twice in that game. Like they they just caught up so quickly um, against the best team in the league against the measuring stick. Like they 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 made those they made those comebacks 
against the Warriors. And, and like, it makes you feel optimistic against a matchup against them. The one thing that worries me, though, like, their, their statistical profile is so good. And it, it's so reminiscent of that... Um, of that 2015-16 Spurs team that won 67 games, ha- had a dominant point differential and net rating. They, had, they actually have a s- similar statistical profile in the Rockets right now. Um, they had like 11.8 net rating, and they never made it to the conference finals because they overlooked. I mean, like it, it just, I just felt like everybody that year was talking about a Warriors Spurs conference finals and how that would look. And one team got overlooked, and it was this, it was the Thunder of. Uh, with you know Russ, KD, uh, Enos Cantor, they had Stephen Adams. They had like a whole bunch of length and like a whole bunch of athleticism, and it, it, it they just managed to overlook that team. And I'm kind I'm kind of wondering what that team is for the Rockets this year. Like if we're to assume the the Rockets are the 2015-16 Spurs, which I'm which is not what I'm saying, but they have a similar profile. If we're to assume they they're that team, what's the team that we're overlooking? Is it the Spurs right now? Like is is that the team that we're, we're we're maybe looking like? And I know Paul, you disagree with me. I just think that Spurs team, like, and Zach Lowe talked about this on a couple podcasts ago. Like, if we're talking about a team that's going to have success against the Warriors, like, that's the only one that that has in the past couple of years, right? Like, this is the only team that legitimately has something to show for their bouts with the Warriors, and they've had legitimate like playoff success, regular season success. Like, they've won games against. This iteration of the Warriors. Uh, you know how have they had yeah. the Warriors other than a half, one half a game? <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, I, I should I, I should probably shouldn't have said playoff success, but they've had regular season success when healthy against the Warriors. Uh, you know how you have success against the Warriors? Be really goddamn good. <laughs> That's the current Rockets game plan. Look, I I I think that the Spurs are the only other big six team in the West, and probably as Kawhi gets healthy, they will be the third best team in the league. But I I don't know. I've found myself getting very tired of these honestly boring takes about the Spurs. Oh, as soon as the Spurs get back, as soon as Kawhi is back healthy, they're going to put up numbers just like the Rockets, which is such a, it's such a ridiculous thing to say out of hand. Look, they might. They very well might. They are the Spurs. But I don't understand why respecting the Spurs, as we well should, goes from us realizing they're going to win probably 50 to 55 games every year at least, and are always going to be a major player, to assuming that they're suddenly going to be a historically great team because they added Rudy Gay. They're they're going to be very good, but I don't understand why we assume they're going to be so much better than they were last season. And last season they were good. They were not Rockets good. Like they were, the Rockets were not quite as good as them last season, but they are much better than the Spurs were last season right now. And I don't know where we're assuming that jump is going to come from. Until otherwise proven, I think we have to suspect that the Rockets will be a tier, or the Rockets will be a tier above the Spurs. They might catch up to the Rockets. We don't know, but I don't know why that's the that's the that benefit of the doubt is being given to them that they're going to be incredibly good. That's a big benefit of the doubt to give them. Yeah, because Kawhi, you can't assume that Kawhi is going to be any better because he had zero time to work on his game in the off season because he was nursing that quad injury. I think. Yeah, he had a quad injury. Yeah, the quad injury all off season. He had no time to work on his game. So why would the Spurs be any better than they than they were last season? The Rockets are very clearly improved this season. Chris Paul is a Spurs killer. I don't really see any reason to think that the Spurs are like this like legitimate threat to the Rockets, other than like 
Yeah, I mean, I and they know. might be. They might be, but we don't. We haven't been given reason to believe they will be. I don't. Yeah. That shouldn't be the default. The default should be that they're probably going to be a little bit behind the Rockets because that's kind of where they were last season, which is fine. I, I think that's reasonable, and they'll give Rockets a lot of hard outs, like at 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 least. But I, it's people just want to believe. I've seen so many people saying, "Oh, well, the Rockets are pretty good," but as soon as the Spurs are really back, that'll all be put straight. Don't worry about it. And it's it's so weirdly dismissive to me. I think that people need to be really afraid of this Rockets team. Not even just speaking from like a, like a pro Rockets perspective, but this team is scary as hell, and they're clocking teams every single night. And like, I don't know what more proof people need, but I guess they're not going to get it. We got a heated I, Forrest Walker, man. That's good. <laughs> um, okay. Listen, like, I I I am in no way being dismissive to how good the Rockets are right now. Uh, I I just. Like I, I'm not even saying the the Spurs are even on the same level as the Rockets right now. I'm just saying I'm not ready to overlook them yet. Like I want to see a 20 game sample size uh, with the healthy Kawhi, not on the minutes restriction. Like I just want to I just want to see it. Like I, I just want to see it. Like if it's if it's not on the same level as the Rockets, that's fine. Like then we can dismiss them. I'm just not ready to do that yet. Like I I, I just respect Kawhi enough. Like I just think I think he's an incredible basketball player. And I, I know you guys think this think so as well. I'm not. I'm not. I no way saying you guys don't think the same thing. I just. I just respect. Like the Spurs for 15 years have been this institution to where when you when you when you're not expecting it, they're they're in a play. They're in a championship race. So like I just. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm just. I just not. I'm just not ready to do it. I'm just not like. And, and Greg Popovich, incredible coach, probably the greatest coach of all time. I, I'm just not ready to ready to say. Oh, you're right about everything. I agree with literally everything you just said, and my my diatribe was not pointed even a little bit to you. I was just frustrated at the idea that like we're going to assume that the that the Spurs are better than the Rockets. Yes, if you don't take the Spurs seriously for one minute, suddenly they have you by the throat. So you're totally right. Yeah, and we can. It's important to keep in mind that we can't even su- assume that the Rockets are going to play the Spurs. In- yeah the playoffs because you know i i don't i don't i'm not that worried about playing the spurs if we have to if we have to play the spurs but i would rather not so that makes getting the one (laughs) seed all the better you get home court advantage over the warriors and you get to play like the fourth seed that might be the timberwolves or the thunder in the in the second round make it past the first round which is obvious at this point, right. um, so, we can assume that safely, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah the AC out west is going to be pretty desultory. Yeah, um, and that's that brings up a, a, a fascinating talking point. Do, do we believe the Rockets can legitimately hold on to this first seed? Right, right now the Warriors are tied. Oh no, the Warriors are up by three up against three. The, up three against the Mavericks in the third quarter. They are just right beyond the Rockets, and it's it's really annoying. It's really I, I'm just waiting for them to lose because they've been right on the Rockets this entire like this entire 11 game winning streak. This, the Warriors have just been right there. They're on a seven game winning streak themselves. Um, it's just really do, do we really, do we expect the Rockets to be in the race for the first year? Or do we expect the Rock the Warriors to come in and clinch it at some point? No, I don't think there's I a think strong the, reason to believe either way right now. It's very much up in the air, but. It's totally possible the Rockets can hold on to it. Well, if you think the Rockets are a sixty-five type, uh, sixty-five plus win type team, and I believe they are based on what I've seen from the Rockets with Chris Paul, then there's 
definitely reason to believe that the warrior that they can hold on to the first seed because the Warriors, in all likelihood, are not going to like win like sixty-eight games. You know, they're the greatest team ever assembled, but you know, Steph is still going to be out for a little bit longer, and they're coasting and resting guys throughout this entire season. So, I the the fact that the Warriors don't care about the first seed as much as the Rockets almost certainly do is a reason for me to believe that they can hold on to the first seed. Yeah, which would be huge. Having to play only one of the Spurs or the or the Warriors in the playoffs would be enormous. It's like a free pass of the conference finals almost, though you know, you never want to assume anything, but the teams right. below the third seed in the West are not quite as scary. Right. Uh, I, 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 you're right. You, you don't want to assume anything, but it, it is a much easier path to Western Conference Finals if you can get that first seed. And when you get there, you get that home court advantage, right? Um, which I, 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 I realize that the Rockets' home court is not exactly intimidating, but I mean, it's it's more the fact that you don't have to go to Oakland for those first two games, <laughs> right? Like that's that's the biggest advantage that you get from beginning home court advantage in the series is that you you're not in Oakland, not that you're in Houston, but it's, it's that you're not in Oakland. Um, and and but, I know that the Rockets have gotten like the Rockets last year were pretty brutal in terms of like the Spurs series and showing up, but there are, there are legitimate, but like during certain series where they like think they can win, they're legit. They're legitimately pretty good because I have been in those and it, I've been to like different crowds and the Rockets playoff scene is actually up there. So yeah, it's uh, not, it's not bad. Especially like, against it's not the terrible. Like if it's right. the first, like, if the Rockets get the number one seed and like are going into the Western Conference Finals against the Warriors and like playing the opening game, then the crowd is going to be good there at the very least. They had a very good crowd in the Western Conference Finals two years ago. Like they, it was actually very. It was it was pretty. It was pretty packed. You could you could hear two years them ago. Over, he says right. Uh, um, <laughs> you, you heard you heard them over the you heard them over the television. Um, whatever is it? Three years ago? Whatever it was when they made it's the, two years ago. If you ignore the season that didn't happen, right? Uh, it's three years ago. Okay, right. Um, you know, it was very packed. You could hear them over the TV. Uh, Daryl Morey talked about this on a podcast recently. Like the, the, the Rockets don't have the the greatest home court, but in the playoffs, so when the, when they make when they make it deep, um, it's not as bad as as I'm making it. Like I, I may have over exaggerated that, um, but yeah. Um, can we talk about the Rockets in the playoffs? Like I, in terms of like this this thing that's been going around uh, to start the season, like how. Like we should dismiss everything the Rockets are doing because they have this horrible track record in the playoffs. Like I, I, I'm just tired of hearing it. Like, like they lost, like they lost to like a 14 win team or something. They they lost to a 61 win team, Spurs team. And I realized they didn't have Kawhi Leonard, and I realized Harden had a really bad game six. But I'm tired of people conflating bad playoff game to bad playoffs. Like I, those two things are not mutually mutually exclusive. The Rockets and James Harden are actually pretty fine. in The playoffs, like they're they're they're, they're good. I they're you know there's not they're not great, but I mean they're they're fine. They're like they're if you look at their average, if you look at James Harden's averages in the playoffs, they're he is like twenty eight seven and seven on like 
damn near 60% true shooting. Like, that, that that's that's good. Like, I, I'm tired of people conflating game six with every single game that James Harden played in the playoffs. Like, it's starting to become a real a real tired na- narrative about James Harden in the playoffs. And, and I realize he's had some bad moments, but bad moments don't equal bad playoffs. And it, it's, just, it's just really starting to frustrate me. Well, the problem is that they can't shoot threes in the playoffs because they're exhausted. That's for me a thing that that that's my supposition. That's what that's what I've uh, I've gleaned from it, and I think was going on. And I think it makes it harder for them to win games than it should. And hopefully this year with a lighter minutes load, which which knock on wood, we talked about earlier, could lighten up even more. Uh, you'll see less of that as a problem. If they can actually hit a goddamn three, then they probably don't get in that situation where they lose game five in a heartbreaking fashion. It's people like to just ascribe patterns and desires to being real. Uh, I mean, remember that, that uh, Dirk Nowitzki was soft and, you know, he was, he was a choker and stuff for years until suddenly he wasn't. So I, I just, I think you can't ascribe too much value to all that. People are going to try to see what they want to see. And we honestly just don't really know yet. Uh, also, as an aside, I, I hate this idea that the regular season and the playoffs are wholly separated; that there's no connection to them what, between them whatsoever. Well, they're a little bit they're a bit different, but it's not like well, who knows? The Warriors are one of the best playoff te- or one of the best regular season teams of all time, but maybe they're just bad now. Uh, if you're a really excellent team in the regular season, guess what? You're going to be really excellent in the playoffs too. Yeah, and like this notion that the Rocket like. What series have the Rockets lost that they've been favored in, like by Vegas? Yeah. <laughs> I guess other than the Blazers series, right? I was just gonna point that which out. Was like years and years ago, right? When Harden was like twenty four or twenty five. I don't really get this idea that the Rockets are like massive underachievers in the playoffs. Like they were disappointing in the San Antonio Spurs series by the end of it but they were playing incredibly well up until like that like, and the spurs were good the spurs game. were better yeah. than the rockets all season like they they, yeah. they they won the regular season matchup against the rockets they probably shouldn't have been favored against the spurs but the, for, for whatever reason they were and it, it made for a narrative that the rockets to bed in the playoffs and it just wasn't true like the better team beat them and game six was inexcusable i don't want to excuse that but other than game six a better team beat them. Like, is that so hard to grasp? Is, is that is it is it just that we we just expected the Rockets to win that series? And they were a mono like in Game Five. Look at how well they played at San Antonio. The like, yeah, in Games One and Games Five, they were in Game Five. They were like a Manu Ginobili time machine away from like winning at San Antonio and getting a chance to win the series in game six at Houston, which probably would have changed everything. So I, you know, I, I don't, I don't really get this idea that the Rockets have been like this disastrous postseason team. But even if you want to say that they're this disastrous postseason team, I feel like having an extra star in Chris Paul is kind of <laughs> helpful. Yeah, but he, but he's bad, and so is James Harden. They're both playoff chokers. Choke, choke. Yeah, I think it's totally reasonable to have questions about about how this team is going to perform in playoffs. There are a lot of questions. 
But the problem is when you have people who are coming to conclusions already. Oh, well, we know they're going to lose to the Spurs. So why? Like, oh, they're going to lose to whoever. They're, they're just going to choke in the playoffs. Yeah, they got Chris Paul after being a fantastic team. And yeah, it's already working really well. But but we know. We know that this won't work. I, I, I think at a point when you get when you get people saying things like that, you just there's no point in engaging. If it's just a totally uninformed opinion, just based totally on team rooting, that's fine and fun for them, but it's not a jumping off point for discussion. Right, and and, and what really gets me is when people talk about Chris Paul in the playoffs. Like, I, I get if you want to talk about James Harden. Chris Paul is one of the best playoff performers of all time. Like, legitimately... Yeah, but he hasn't been to the conference finals... That's oh, no. so, that is so stupid. That is just that is just so stupid, that argument that people make just because he has an advance. Like, Chris Paul can only do so much. One player, like, I get it. Like, one player has a, has a phenomenal impact on the game in, bas- in, in the game of basketball. Like, I, I understand that. But, what, it, again, one player still can only do so much. Like, and it's not Chris Paul's fault that his teams have never been favored to win a playoff series that they've lost. Like, they, like... There have been a couple bad series here and there in the, uh, with the Clippers, but I mean, largely they've they've performed up to what they were expected to do. And and Chris Paul has played phenomenal in the playoffs. He's one of the like, I think he's like third in win shares for the, for his career in the playoffs. Like it's 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 insane. Like in NBA history, he's one of the best playoff performers of all time. It's it, it's just stupid to talk about Chris Paul in that manner. Um, Harden's numbers have taken a dip in the playoffs, but but again, he's good in the playoffs too. Like his his numbers are not as good in the, in the regular season, but they're still very 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 good. And defenses guard you different in the playoffs. Like they they key in on you, they scout you for days and days and days, and they they know your strengths and weaknesses. They 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 craft defenses just to stop you. And Harden still, um, amongst that, put up good numbers. Like the the Spurs designed the defense to that tortured Harden last year like it that, that that just that did a really it did a did, credit to Greg Popovich he did a really good job at uh having Paul Gasol drop back uh closing out all three on all the three-pointers and and preventing Harden from getting to the free throw line like that was a legitimately great strategy by the Spurs but I mean even then he's I don't know it, it's just it's just a it's just an annoying thing with Harden. Like, like people choose the games they want to choose when they want to talk about his playoff performances. They never talk about like when people talk about the Clippers series and they talk about that time he went on the bench. No one ever talks about Game Seven where he dropped like thirty points, seven assists, and seven rebounds or something like that. Like something ridiculous. Like no one ever talks about that. Everybody talks about Game Six. No one ever talks about the closeout game where legit where they legitimately won and Harden redeemed himself. Like I, I just. It's 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 just annoying. It's really really annoying. People pick the games they want to choose. It's like cher- cherry picking yes, well, the data. James Harden is so bad. The only team he can beat is a team led by Chris Paul, who's so bad that he lost to a team with James Harden. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. Hey, but... just can't worry about it. We'll let it shape out. You know, shake out for itself. Uh, the thing that really matters is who ends up standing on the court. Uh, moving on in the next round of the playoffs once the playoffs come around. And not all the people talking on Twitter or whatever is going to make any difference there. Uh, it's fun for them to yell about it, and it's fun for us to yell about them, but you know, we're, we're here to talk about what's happening on that court. What's happening on that court is goddamn impressive. Right, the Rockets are really, really good. Uh, and we kind of strayed away from that at the end, but I mean, they are really freaking, freaking good. Like This is one of the best regular season teams of all time right now. Um, 
or at least they're they're pacing that way. Uh, they're they're gonna win sixty something games. Like right now, they're on pace to win sixty nine games, which is insane. Um, and they're they're probably gonna have a like a twelve net rating or something like that, which is again also insane. Ludicrous. Um, yeah, they're probably gonna have the greatest offensive uh, offensive team of all time or, or second or whatever. Um, which is shameful if they don't. I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and Harden amongst all this is having. One of the best efficient, one of the best scoring scenes of all time. He's averaging thirty-one point seven points per game, on sixty-three percent true shooting. That's nuts. That is, he's been incredible this year, and his step-back jumper has been, you know, pretty much unguardable. If if he's added an efficient three-pointer, like a forty-plus percent three-point shooter, to his game, I don't know how teams are supposed to guard him. He's just been, he's just been unguardable this year. Yeah, he's he's a he's a freaking Jedi out there, man. He's really improved his game. If he can keep shooting like this, and you never know, three point shooting is weird. Maybe he's having a great run, but it certainly looks like he's done some work on it. If he can just pull up and shoot a couple feet behind the arc, and it's scary enough that it's actually worth guarding, that's a nightmare for teams. I don't know when this team puts it all together. It takes a historic team to even stand up to them. And uh, we're going to find out, I guess, pretty soon, at least a preview of what that will look like. Right. Like, it's, it's, it's kind of funny watching defenses try to scramble to guard him. Like, because, like, now it's become, like, before it was, you know, stay, keep him out of the paint and don't foul him, right? Now, like, it's just like, okay, we should probably get let him get to the paint because that's our best chance of stopping him <laughs> right now. Like, it's just... Yeah. It, maybe, we can, maybe we can hack him and the refs won't call it. We'll right. <laughs> Right, it's just it's funny like watching defenses twist and turn to try to guard him. It's it's like the the entire defense is shifted on him, and they can't even double him now because of Chris Paul. It's 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 crazy. Like he's having a, an incredible season. He's at, he's also you know nine or nine plus assists per game, which is also ludicrous on top of his efficient scoring. Um, yeah, Harden's having an incredible season. I don't want to talk about MVP. I, I, we're not talking about that uh, for another couple months. I, I I don't want to get into the headache of it right now. Uh, but yeah, he's having an incredible season. The Rockets are 22-4 and four right now. And yeah, uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Follow me on Twitter at RedNationHoops. Follow Forrest on Twitter at Do Not Follow. Uh, follow Paul on Twitter at Rocket Intellect. And yeah, guys, good night. ones who know that a little late is always too late and that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry and our keep stock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time visit granger.com slash keep to learn more granger for the ones who get it done